As a new chapter of free agency opens with post-June 1st designated money now available, a look across the AFC East to see exactly where each team has spent in free agency. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. Want to give a special shout out to our everydayers who are locked in on a daily basis. Thank you for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Today on the show, looking at NFL spending, but not just NFL spending, but AFC East spending. We've entered into a new chapter of the NFL offseason with deferred dead money now off the books for players who were waived. Be Byron Jones with the Dolphins, for example freeing up some $13 million in cap space. And what that changes for the Dolphins, uh, well, for starters, they have money to spend and sign players. They just signed three of their rookies this morning to their rookie contracts with that extra clearance and wiggle room. Not a surprise that the Dolphins waited to get that done. But now is a perfect time as we get ready for the next push of spending across the NFL to look at the AFC East in its totality and acknowledge where money has been spent for these AFC East teams, because this is one of, if not the most competitive division in football, thanks to the arrival of Aaron Rodgers and the Jets' young nucleus getting better and the presence of the Patriots setting a high floor for what that football team will be, although the question with them is indeed the ceiling. And the Dolphins trying to build on a playoff season last year and the Bills having three consecutive division titles that they have worked with There's a lot here. So we're going to dig through a lot of this information, starting first and foremost with the spending trends of the East. And I think this is really fascinating. This comes courtesy of OverTheCap.com. And it is the total amount of money spent, plus the total, also the total amount of guaranteed money that has been assigned in free agency by teams. Now, this does not include... Uh, player trades, players that are under contract that have been acquired. This is just through the lens of free agency. The team in the AFC East who spent the least amount of total commitments this offseason in free agency to this point is the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, as a matter of fact, had the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh lowest dollar amount of new contracts given in free agency of any team across the league. million in total across all of the years of the life of all of the contracts that they have given out. And they signed 22 players. Now, some of those were players that were on the team last year, so they brought those players back. But just case in point, the the Dolphins had a thrifty offseason to this point, not including the trade of Jalen Ramsey and the restructuring of that contract to get him a reduced salary cap hit. When you look at it through the lens of the average per year average across all the players that have been signed, Sure, there have been teams like the Rams who spent less than $6 million in free agency because they only signed two players. But on an average per year basis, 
across all the contracts given. Miami getting $64 million to 22 players. That's the fifth lowest average on a average per year basis per contract. And I think they did good with the contracts that they brought in. A lot of competition. Again, this was not about improving the cornerstones of the team. The, the young nucleus of the team is what the young nucleus of the team is. It's getting a more well-rounded team and refining who you want to be with a new defensive system and year two of an offensive system. So that $2.1 million um, is thrifty, but also thrifty is the Buffalo Bills. Interestingly enough, the Bills uh, are the sixth lowest average per year per contract. The Bills, $76 million that they committed in free agency across 20 players. So similar spending for both the Bills and the Dolphins with the approach that they had. And that makes sense. They were the two playoff teams. They have been at their rebuilds the longest. Well, they are further into this. They've given the big contracts. Miami obviously has accelerated that and tried to chase Buffalo down by being aggressive and going out and getting big-time players like a Jalen Ramsey, like a Bradley Chubb, having to do new business there and locking in big-money contracts. It leaves you little wiggle room. And arguably, if you're avoiding the rat race of spending big in free agency, that isn't necessarily a bad thing, even though it doesn't lead to a lot of sexy headlines in March and April. The Jets uh, gave $94 million in guarantees. They're marginally ahead of the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, $76.5 million in total dollars in free agency spent. The Jets, $94 million in total money spent. And then the New England Patriots, uh, who are lingering on this list as the team that had spent the most in free agency of all the teams in the AFC. They, they are credited with $105.6 million in free agency money that has been spent this offseason. Patriots are also uniquely a team that has the most calorie cap space year over year. Feels like their nucleus is very fluid. Um, and that can be a good thing, but that can also be a bad thing if you don't have difference maker players, and I think that's the biggest challenge. To put these, these numbers in perspective, no team spent more since the Baltimore than the Baltimore Ravens did. $300 million in commitments given by the Baltimore Ravens. So pecking order, Dolphins, most thrifty of the AFC East teams. Bills, comparably Thrifty, they signed 20 players for 76 versus Miami going 22 for 64. The Jets, 94.7 million across 16 players, and the Patriots, 105.6 million across 19 players. Those teams trying to close the gap. It's kind of that dangerous cycle, right? And I do think that's interesting when you consider the New York Jets and a lot of the appeal of what they were was when they stockpiled picks with Joe Douglas and he's made good draft selections for New York. They've built a strong defense. But then you go out and you get an aging quarterback and you spend a bunch of money that raises some questions about, okay, what what does that approach do to the longevity of your approach? You know, Miami has done largely the same thing, but Miami has done it through the lens of, well, we have a quarterback on a rookie contract. The Jets skip that part and they have to figure out some details of that Aaron Rodgers contract based on the Packers reworked his deal before he was traded to the New York Jets. So pretty interesting. Uh, and, you know, total number is one thing, but guarantees is something else entirely. And uh, I think guarantees paints a similar picture. The Dolphins, 
uh, were seventh lowest amount of guaranteed money given of the $64 million that they committed. 34 and a half of it is guaranteed money. The Buffalo Bills, 40 of their 76 is fully guaranteed money. The Jets, 49 of their 94 million is fully guaranteed money. And the Patriots, 58 and a half of their 105 is fully guaranteed. So Miami, not just giving out the least amount of total dollars, but making the least guarantees in their contracts for players that were brought in uh, this offseason in the free agency process. So uh, up next on the show, we are going to talk about what the Dolphins did. We're going to recap the Dolphins uh, and their class to this point in time. Uh, and then we're going to go into the AFC East for key additions and departure, departures elsewhere as well. But before we do, now is the perfect time to make a fast break to FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 in bonus bets back if your first bet with FanDuel does not hit. Of course, the Heat kicked off the NBA Finals against the Denver Nuggets in Denver last night. Didn't come away with a victory in Game 1. It's a long series, a lot of ball game left. Panthers tomorrow night kicking off the NHL Stanley Cup Final against the Vegas Golden Knights. Vamos Gatos, you guys know the drill. If you think you know how it's going to go, head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get that no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Dolphins this offseason, the dollars that they've spent, a lot of low guarantee deals that have been assigned. Let's first acknowledge the players that were under contract with the team that have not landed anywhere, let alone back with the Dolphins or with another team. Byron Jones, obviously missed all of last year, kind of raised some flags with his comments about uh, the, the medical process and his recovery and him missing time. Odd situation. Uh, unsigned at this point is a 31-year-old cornerback who missed all of last season. Teddy Bridgewater. Unsigned, Melvin Ingram, Eric Fisher, Seathan Carter, Adam Shaheen, Trey Flowers, Clayton Fezdalem, Sam Eglavon, Justin Zimmer, Porter Gustin. These are unrestricted free agents who have not signed anywhere with the Dolphins. In case in point, only one of these players for the Dolphins played more than 13% of the snaps, and that was Melvin Ingram as a 34-year-old pass rusher who played 45% and was largely good in those 45% of snaps played. The Dolphins just got other horses, and it's a different kind of system, and they went out and they got a Malik Reed who's familiar with the system and chose a player like Andrew Van Ginkle, who has a little bit more positional versatility, although I don't love his positional versatility play stack linebacker all the time. The departures in free agency. Uh, the Bills tagged you for two. Trent Sherfield and Brandon Shell. They played 57 and 72% of the offensive snaps, respectfully, for the Dolphins last season. Been working through some NF, uh, some Miami Dolphins offensive tape the last couple of days, studying these these offensive linemen, most notably Austin Jackson for all 80 snaps that he played last year, and then Liam Eikenberg. Brandon Shell, uh, there's been uh, there were ups and downs. I think Brandon Shell was his worst performance was once Teron Armstead went down in the Houston game, and Shell came in at left tackle, and we almost got Tua really hurt. Um, some bad assignments there. That was an ugly performance, but he was fairly steady and serviceable at right tackle. He should be a depth player for them. The Dolphins have obviously 
made some other moves between Isaiah Wynn, Cedric Gugwehi, getting Austin Jackson back. We'll talk more about that later. The New York Jets, within the division, tagged you for one, Thomas Morstead, 37-year-old punter who was excellent for the Dolphins last season. It's a bummer. We'll see if um, the UDFA Turk from Oklahoma can push Jake Bailey uh, for the Dolphins' punter job as a result of that. And then the Patriots tagged you for one. Mike Gusecki, one-year, $4 million, $4.5 million deal with some incentives stacked on top of that. I think about that New England Patriots tight end room, Hunter Henry out in front there. Um, I'd be surprised if, if Mike puts any kind of numbers up that were reflective of what 2019, 2020, and 2021 were for him. I think this, I think the market tells you quite a bit. And the style of play in which the Patriots have, your second tight end for that offense has traditionally been more of an H-back type as compared to Mike is more of a flex slot. And they have a lot of big bodied receivers. So it'll be an interesting chemistry experiment there for them. But um, that is a bummer for sure uh, to see a player that had a lot of good memories here go to a division rival. But those are the Dolphins to AFC East rival transplants. You also, of course, had Eric Rowe going from Miami to Carolina. John Jenkins going to the Raiders. Hunter Long traded as part of the Jalen Ramsey deal uh, to the Los Angeles Rams. Elana Roberts signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Michael Dieter and Greg Little going to the Houston Texans. Okay, that's not the offensive line investments I would want to make, but this ain't locked on Texans. So um, the Dolphins themselves brought back a slew of players who were on the team last year. Uh, they obviously did the extension with Durham Smythe. He wasn't an expiring contract, but still a noteworthy player. And then you had Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Andrew Van Ginkle, Duke Riley, Nick Needham, Savon Achman, Kendall Lamb, Justin Bethel, Miles Gaskin, River Craycraft, Jerron Christian, Elijah Campbell, John Lovett. All players that were under contract last year brought back once again. I don't think all these players are locks to make the roster. Uh, if I'm being honest, um, I think one of Ahmed and Gaskin is going to be in position to make the roster. Bethel's going to be a fringe player, but has good special teams play at his disposal to as an advantage. I'd be surprised if Kendall Lamb is on the roster. There's not a lot of guarantees there. Only $200,000 out of a $1.3 million contract. Craycraft, uh, there's no guarantees on that deal. It's $1.08 million. That's, that's minimum. He's a pretty feisty player. I wouldn't dismiss him, but he does have an uphill climb when you can think about Braxton Berrios being brought in and Chosen Anderson. John Lovett, obviously st deck is stacked to get him as a second fullback, probably a good practice squad candidate. Uh, and then Jerron Christian uh, was technically under contract. They, they gave him $352,000 fully guaranteed. I don't think that guaranteed money is anything that would stop you uh, from moving on and moving in a different direction. So a lot of familiar faces back. Of course, the hallmark players are the new players, and Jalen Ramsey, who was traded for, but that is a, kind of a part of a separate conversation. David Long is your most prominent free agent signing, Mike White. You got three guys from the Jets between White, Barrios, and Dan Feeney. You plucked, excuse me, Cedric Gugwehi as well as a street free agent who was cut by the team. Uh, you did pluck one from the Patriots with Isaiah Wynn. You did not sign any players off of the Buffalo Bills roster this offseason. So a little bit of a, everything from an AFC East merry-go-round, um, but not this mass exodus or flip-flop or players exchanging 
within the confines of the AFC East to an alarming degree. So, uh, and then of course you have Deshaun Elliott, Eric Saubert, Chosen Anderson, Tyler Croft, Malik Reed, Jake Bailey, and Freddie Swain being brought in. And um, I think the volume that you got, A, it was necessary. Uh, this is kind of where the Dolphins roster construction, it's not there yet, uh, but it does teeter on the type of ideology that you saw the Rams take, which is stars and scrubs, right? You've got a lot of, you have more than normal big money contracts for, for standout impact players. But what the Rams had to do, because they didn't, they drafted well for a while, and then they stopped investing first-round picks, and they still kept still drafting well on day two and early on day three, and then they stopped doing that well, too. What they had was a larger chunk than normal of impact players. And when you drafted well on day two and day three, you had not necessarily scrubs, but you had rookie contract players who were not, oh, this is a top 20 pick. This is a, hey, we found a really good stylistic fit for what we want to do that's in a skill-specific role, and he's a backup for two years, and then we let a guy walk, and he's ready to step in and take it. But the problem for the Rams was once they stopped drafting well on day two, and that felt like it kind of started when Tutu Atwell was drafted with the second round, and uh, they, they just kind of stopped seeing the, the ROI on their round three, round four picks. Then the well dries up because now you have to go to street free agent types to go in and fill in the blanks. Now, the Dolphins have several years before they have to worry about this in any capacity because what they did that the Rams did not do was they hoarded draft picks for two years, three years. They really built up the assets and said, hey, we're going to have an abnormal surplus of draft capital because law of averages says you're going to hit some, you're going to miss some. But if I draft 3x the average of everybody else from a volume perspective across two years, that then gives me a five, six-year runway with all of those players as cheap contractual players relative to their contemporaries for the ones that you hit on that then I can still fill in with surplus more than average big money contracts. Now where Miami will have to worry is three, four years from now, how well did you restock the pond? That's the mystery. And uh, that's a discussion for another day, a couple of years down the road. Of course, 2024 cap space is tight, but 2025 cap space, you op would open up to over $100 million in cap space at your disposal projected right now. So you got a two-year window. And who you choose to commit to out of that two-year window, well, that's going to be the next nucleus for the next version of the team, and you can make adjustments as you need to. Long-term flexibility. This organization talks about it a lot. Brain Trust, Chris Greer talks about it a lot. They have set it up. This year, next year is kind of locked in. Where they go from there, we'll see. We're going to talk about some of the other teams in the AFC East and the maneuvers that they have made as well. Up next here on Locked on Dolphins, let's keep it tapped in. The Buffalo Bills, uh, when you think about their departures, you think about Roger Saffold, 
Cole Beasley, Bobby Hart. Those are the meaningful street free agents that are still out there. Now, they lost Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker. He was a 75% of your snaps player. It was an $18 million a year contract with the Chicago Bears as a 25-year-old player. He was a former first-round pick who played five years for the Bills. Came in the league at, at uh, 20 years old. That's a big loss for Buffalo and free agency. I think you can comfortably make the case that's a bigger loss than any loss than the Dolphins have incurred. Losing a player like Edmonds, who is so rare athletically with what he's capable of doing, is going to train, change the entire front mechanics and coverage ideology of the Buffalo Bills defense. They asked him to do things that 95% of NFL linebackers cannot do. And they do not have another player on the roster, so that's something to be mindful of. I would also acknowledge Isaiah McKenzie, who played over 50% of the snaps offensively, has come and gone. Now, they have looked to fill in the blank of Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder, who also left with Dalton Kincaid, their first-round draft selection, is a big, bigger-bodied version of the same kind of player. How that materializes, we'll have to wait and find out. Connor McGovern is a, a really good addition for Buffalo on the offensive line. They signed him from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he was a starter at right guard. He's a younger player, 26 years old. I do think that's an upgrade over where Roger Saffold is at this stage in his career. Uh, but they probably feel pretty good about that addition. You could acknowledge Devin Singletary as a loss uh, for the Bills and the running back. They've, they've done the committee thing quite a bit. But I also think they got better because they signed Damian Harris. And they signed Damian Harris uh, to a one-year deal worth $1.77 million after he played in New England. So kind of the um, cannibalism in free agency of the AFC East continues with the Bills. And the other big addition that I would acknowledge uh, for Buffalo is probably either Taylor Rapp at safety, who was a 90% snap taker for the Rams as a former second-round pick out of Washington, or Puna Ford from Seattle at nose tackle, and that kind of falls back into that loss of Tremaine Edmonds and what they are doing differently in their front than what they've done in the past because they've lost such a unique player in Tremaine Edmonds. As far as the New York Jets, uh, Jets have a slew of players that are still street-free agents. George Fant, Joe Flacco, LaMarcus Joyner, Vinnie Curry, Mike Remmers, Quan Alexander, Lauren Duvernay-Tardif, Eric Smith, Drew Samia, Rodney Anderson, Zane Lewis, Ty Johnson, Marcel Harris. These are all players, according to Over the Cap, that are still street-free agents. The Dolphins gobbled up a bunch of these free agents. Obviously, we've acknowledged the four that they got. As far as other AFC East cannibalism, we acknowledge them signing Thomas Morstead. Uh, they also landed Yadni Kajust from New England. Uh, that's a probably a swing tackle that has more upside than Cedric Gugwehi, who the Dolphins brought over as part of this merry-go-round where Brandon Shell goes to Buffalo. Uh, Kajust goes from New England to New York. Gugwehi goes from New York to Miami. Shell goes from Miami to Buffalo. So... Backup offensive linemen seems like we're exchanging back and forth pretty frequently. What else the Jets were able to do in free agency is kind of dwarfed by the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb being acquisitions that this team made at wide receiver is meaningful. But I do think there are some questions about Rodgers and, and his departure, kind of griping about how much of the nucleus of the team was invested in the defensive side of the ball and one first-round pick 
spent seven years on defense, on offense, and it was to draft his replacement. Well, they go out and they, they take a Jets offensive nucleus that had some promise, has young players at the skill groups. Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. They got Brees Hall coming off of an injury at running back. They spent big money on two tight ends. And they take that nucleus and they say, okay, great. Now, just give us all the guys that Aaron had that he was complaining that he wanted better than when he was in New England or in Green Bay. And of course, that's not the thought process that's communicated, but that's how I can't help but see it. When you look at the rest of what the Jets did, it's a lot of peripheral players and then the Packers nucleus of skill players that's been brought in on top of this. Whereas the Patriots are a really interesting team uh, because they gave several big money contracts to players who uh, are new, more so than the other teams uh, in this discussion. They brought back one of their own in Jonathan Jones as an aging corner, and he got nine and a half per. Juju Smith-Schuster got eight and a half per with $16 million in guarantees. Riley Reef got a $5 million year, million dollar year contract. Jacoby Myers, they let go, so they traded out Jacoby Myers for Juju Smith-Schuster. They bring in Gasecki, they bring in Calvin Anderson, James Robinson is kind of the other AFC East cannibalism signing that was made, a one-year, $2 million deal. I would rather have Damian Harris than James Robinson, if we're being honest. <laughs> and Damian Harris was cheaper. But that's kind of the theme of the Patriots at this stage in Belichick's career is we will frequently let guys go, and it feels like a lot of guys leave and they're in the doghouse, whether that's justified or not. Street free agents the Patriots have at this point is pretty negligible. Marcus Cannon, Michael Pilardi, Quinn Norton, and LeBrian Ray are the street free agents that were on the team last year. Uh, players that signed on different teams, Damian Harris, Isaiah Wynn, Jake Bailey, two of those are Miami Dolphins, Jonu Smith, Yanni Kajust, who we've already mentioned, Jacoby Myers, Brian Hoyer, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Joe Long-Williams. I think for all the spending that this team had, for their own players and players in free agency, and the players that were their own players that hit free agency still do count, so that's how you get uh, the big money credited to them, courtesy of uh, the Jonathan Jones contract. I'm going to be honest, I don't know that this team got any better in free agency with established NFL talent. They made some draft picks. They obviously moved down the board with Pittsburgh. Drafted Christian Gonzalez, who's a helpful different body type, but just really interesting to see the formula and consider how much money was spent for New England to bring guys in, and then you look at the guys that walked out the door, and I don't know that they're a better football team. This is just how I see it. So that's your AFC East free agency recap and update as we get ready for the next push in free agency here uh, post June 1st. I'm Kyle Krabs. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Shout out to the everydayers that are locked in with us. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you all again soon. Fins up.